It's not much of a secret that I have a home field apparel problem. Even before we started this show, I couldn't even step foot on a new college campus without making sure there was something from that school's home field collection waiting on my porch when I got home. So we are, understandably, over the moon to partner with home field this season to keep Pitt fans comfy, cozy, and stylish at a fraction of the price by using promo code LOYALSONS for 15% off your next order. This discount applies site-wide and with unique vintage collections for every school from Pitt to Bama, Jackson State to Colgate, Michigan, Marshall, Marquette, and both Miamis. There's something for every fan. So whether you're buying for a Pitt fan or for a loser freak, use promo code LOYALSONS at homefieldapparel.com to save big on your next order. Each code applies once per email address, so get those work emails and burners ready. That's homefieldapparel.com. Hello and welcome back to the Loyal Sun Show. That's at the Loyal Suns on all the social medias. Follow us there and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. If you love Blake Henson going seven for seven from three and Cameron Indoor and hate ACC refs, this is the place for you. The Loyal Sun Show, a safe, sunshiny place for your pit athletics fix, brought to you by Section 5. Boys, we're back. It took a victory on the road against the top 10 Duke team to get us back behind these microphones, but we are back. And pit basketball, for the time being, as of the time recording this, around 6.30 on Monday, January 22nd, pit basketball is also back. Wow, we're we're bringing out the B word. Do we want to mention that we almost recorded last week, and the topic of discussion would be very different? Nope, 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 nope. You're right. We were actually predicting a, a win over Duke. No, what yep. Squid is al- alluding to, uh, we were fully prepared to have a goodbye farewell jeff capel episode or at least have a serious discussion about his future as the head basketball coach at the university of pittsburgh but that episode for now will be put on the back burner that's on the shelf yeah we are still capel faithful at heart yeah uh things had gotten pretty bleak pit sitting at 10 and 7 one and five in the ACC. Everything looked like and was heading in the direction pointed at this season, ultimately being a horrible failure after what was such a promising start. And then Saturday night happened. The Pitt Panthers walked in to Durham, North Carolina, pushed around the Duke Blue Devils, and ultimately came away with an 80 to 76 victory. I don't, I don't where where can we even start on this one? The, this game had so much there was, there's so much we can talk about and we could spend 15 20 minutes on a variety of topics, but I mean where where do you guys want to kick this one off? I'd like to start before the game very briefly. It was around I'm going to say 7:40. Like the NFL games are going on, we're Tuned into those, but we had the ACC network up, like ready to go because 
we got to watch the game. And at that time, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to bet Duke minus 18 and a half. I think this could get real ugly, just like last time. Punch in the bet, close the app, pull up Twitter, and I see that Duke is down two starters. And I'm like, huh. Well, that's unfortunate for my bet, but still might hit. Morale was not very high. Is that what the line was at, or was that an alternate line? No, it was a 13, I think. And I okay. just I was gonna say I thought it was around 12 and a half. Yeah. So despite the injuries, did you guys think we would have a better chance? Or do you think it was still we were playing Duke and Duke? So what do you think is gonna happen? I think I did the real life version of the the eyeball emojis. I was like, "Yo, they have two two guys out that can't hurt Pitt." Um, I don't think I realistically felt. I I shouldn't say I don't think I was not anywhere in the realm of confident going into this game that Pitt was going to be super competitive. It it really felt like this season was on a downward trajectory and it was just going to spiral out of control. Um, but that's very far from what happened. And I mean, the, the first thing I want to touch on relating to the team is there's a new sheriff in town and by sheriff, I mean, point guard and by point guard, I mean, Jalen Lowe. Uh, this not was Nate his... not Nate Yarnell, <laughs> the yeah, actual well, sheriff. Nate Yarnell is still the sheriff. Uh, but we've got a new sheriff in the basketball program, I should say. Jalen Lowe, he had a big game against Syracuse, scoring a career-high 20 points. But this game against Duke, 16 points, or sorry, 17 points, 6 assists, 0 turnovers, and hitting some of the biggest shots you'll see a freshman make at this level. Um, really just... I mean, this this is the game we'll look back to and be like, this is the game Jalen Lowe grew up. And, I mean, I I hate that we have to put this, you know, w- label on every player, but like, as, as long as he doesn't transfer, hit the portal at some point, he, he seems like he's going to be a very, very good guard for the Pitt program for the coming foreseeable future. I think, to, to speak on that for a moment, I think just in general... In college athletics, we we all need to come to a covenant as college athletics fans that that's just going to be the implied anytime we talk about a player's future. It's kind of like whenever we talk about like a player, like a pro player sucking, the implied is, yes, I understand that I would give anything to be a pro athlete and I know that I could not do what they do. Like that is the implied when I say like, uh, Kadarius Tony sucks. Right. Like you could do any better. Exactly. Like, like the implied of any criticism is relative to his sport, relative to his level. He stinks. I think the new implied for college sports should be providing he continues to play at my university. He will be very good. I love it. Deal. Save some time. Yeah, I just saved us about two hours cumulatively, cumulative, you know what I mean, uh, 
on future Loyal Sons episodes. Cumula, cumul, cumulatively. Yeah, sorry. I think that's a good rule of thumb. Um, what he did on Saturday night—that's that's a huge game for a fifth-year senior, twenty-three years old, let alone a eighteen, nineteen-year-old freshman. I don't know when his birthday was. That was big time from the opening tip to the final minute when he hits the big time shot over Filipowski. Jalen yeah. Lowe's the real deal, and he's here to stay. It was very needed because the last couple games with Bub starting at the point guard and being the primary one, the turnover numbers are getting a little bit high for our liking. It was great to start the year. I mean, the triple doubles, he was averaging about seven assists a game, and he really wasn't turning it over a lot. But as the year went on, the scouting reports out on you, teams are forcing you to do different things and especially in that Syracuse game, it seemed like he was trying to do a little bit too much. So having Jalen Lowe, who's calm, cool, and collected, especially as a lefty, looks extra calm, cool, and collected, hands on the rock, takes a little of that weight off of Bub's shoulders as the primary decision maker. He can play him a little bit more off the ball. Same with Leggett. I like Ish Leggett off the ball a lot. Kick it to him, he can get you a bucket. So with Lowe at the point guard, I think we figured something out. Why do lefties look so much cooler doing anything except throwing a football? One of my favorite things to do is look at videos of specifically quarterbacks, but also I saw a couple with basketball players is if they're left-handed, you just mirror the video. So it looks like they're right-handed and sometimes it looks very normal, but other times it still looks weird. Like, if you mirror Tua throwing a football, it looks beautiful. If you mirror Michael Penix throwing a football, it still looks a little... Huh, that's a an awkward motion. So I imagine if you mirror Jalen Lowe as a righty, he would look like Michael Jordan. Yeah, I'm doing that as soon as we stop recording. <laughs> yeah. uh, see what it looks like. I don't know what, what the science is behind that, but... What I do know is Pitt's offense just seems to operate much more smoothly uh, with Jalen Lowe at the point. And I don't want this to come away as like us now ragging on Bub because he's played a a few bad games. But I I think people need to remember is Bub Carrington really did not play point guard. He was not recruited to play point guard. Uh, Played a good bit of it, I think, his senior year of high school. But up until that point, uh, he was mainly off the ball as a two guard, as a catch and shoot guy, as a scorer. And Jalen Lowe has grown up with the ball in his hands. So this is what he's accustomed to. I, and I think you see a lot. The biggest difference I see is that Jalen Lowe can get downhill and get to the basket. I mean, I think I could probably count on one hand how many times this year that we just saw Bob Carrington beat a guy off the dribble and get to the hoop for a layup. Uh, Jalen Lowe did that a handful of times on Saturday night. So uh, the, his ability to attack, uh, to really put pressure on the defense, break them down a little bit, um, and then to to kick it out to shooters and, and really, like I said, put that pressure on the defense, um, it gives them a different aspect of their offense when, when he's running the point. Um, and I, I think 
Bub might be one of the biggest benefactors of the emergence of Jalen Lowe because I think he can really start to focus on just scoring now. Before, they were asking so much of him to create offense, creating out of the pick and roll. I think at this point, I think we can unlock a, a new level from Bub as just a guy who's looking to get, get some buckets. Even Federico, that pick and roll looked a lot better. We, we saw some Fetty dunks. There's still some flashes of, oh no, Fetty, but they're a lot more of, okay, we can play this guy. He can he can do some things. And I like <laughs> he that. He looked playable. Yeah, which is an upgrade. So hey. low Fetty <laughs> pick and Nine, roll. Nine points, five rebounds. I'll take that. Some of those are tough hoops. Every day of the week. Every day of the week. That's what they need from him as a, a rim runner, a guy who can catch the lobs um, and, and play tough on some of these ACC bigs defensively. I, I know Filipowski still still got his, but uh, they they made it pretty tough on him. So we have reached the 12-minute mark of the episode. I am declaring it is time to talk about Blake Henson. I mean, I thought the West Virginia game was going to be the all-time Blake Henson game. And then this happened. God, I love him so much. I mean, is there another player in the country who can shoot as bad as he did over the past month or so and then just walk into Cameron Indoor and go seven for seven from three? I'll answer that. No, there isn't. He is the only player in the country who would do what he did on Saturday. I saw a lot of comments on Instagram posts and on tweets from Duke fans who were just so bitter and salty about the whole thing, the taunting, the scores table, the technical foul. They hate Blake Henson, but they were saying, oh, that was so lucky. And if you're a Pitt fan, you're like, any night I can see Blake going eight for eight or at least hitting eight, sorry, seven for seven. But I can see Blake going off for seven threes on any given night. I mean, we've seen it before. Mm-hmm. But there weren't any logo shots. But I would say almost all of those, there was a guy in his face. Yeah, I mean, that's just fried chicken. Yeah, he... I really want to know what he said to get teed up. That's... That's I wish we could have just had a mic on Blake during the game. One this, of these, oh my god, this would have been an all time mic'd up game. There has to be someone, some Duke or Pitt media, social media intern who at some point decided they were just gonna record Blake all game and we can somehow make out the audio of what he was saying during that game. But I have to imagine it was so reckless. Uh, I know they they asked him in his post game presser what he said to get teed up, and he just said, "Ah, I said something I shouldn't have." And and you see, I think on the replay, Ish was just cracking up. So whatever he said to, uh, I think it was McCain who he was chirping at, maybe whoever was at the foul line. I'm sure it was hilarious because Blake is hilarious, and he got teed up for it. So yeah, I I mean, you go seven for seven from three at Cameron Indoor against a top ten Duke. 
you get to say whatever you want, and then you get to jump on the scores table at the end of the game. Those are just the rules. I'm sorry. Like, like the I Supreme Court ruled on it in 1952 or whatever. You get to do whatever you want when you do what Blake Henson just did. I forget exactly what point I tweeted this. I kind of want to see a victory lot for it, but I also think it was pretty predictable. Like we all saw it coming. Whenever Blake, he probably hit that step back three and he was so fired up. I'm like, dude, if Blake Henson clinches this game somehow and we win, he's going to pull a Marshall Henderson and go on the scores table. And like, like, yeah, you like that to the student section. Yeah. Didn't you tweet that before the game? And it wasn't before it was during the game. And then it happened. And I'm like, see, called it. But, oh, I think we all knew that was going to happen after he hit those free throws. He was going to let the fans hear. Here, because they were giving to him all game. Yeah, something there needs to be some education to college student sections. After a guy's like three for three from three, maybe you just back off him a little bit. I can't imagine after he hit the fifth and sixth that they continued to chirp at him, but I'm sure glad they did because there's just, it just seems like. When the moment's bigger, Blake shows up, and man, he was loving it. It, it was like after every every bucket, he was turning to the crowd and letting them know. Uh, that was, like I said, I, I I thought that would be the West Virginia game would be the the Blake Henson game that we remember when he's gone. Be like, remember when he hit nine threes in the backyard brawl and the last one he hit from like forty feet, or. I thought maybe we would remember that shot against Mississippi State last year. That was just an completely uncalled for logo three with the game on the line. And now I think it's this game. So I, I think Blake might still have a couple tricks up his sleeve. Uh, we haven't seen the last of them yet. Um, but I, I think Pitt fans, no matter how bad this season gets or how good this season gets, I think we all have to collectively appreciate the time we have left with Blake Henson as a Pitt Panther. You know who also appreciated what Blake Henson did on Saturday? Legitimately every single person that follows college basketball that isn't a Duke fan. That was probably the most good PR Pitt has had on social media in the last calendar year. Yes. And it was just every ESPN to Barstool to you name it. Every publication that covers sports was like, yo, this is sick. Fuck Duke. I'm so accustomed to like pit coverage, basically being an echo chamber. Like we have our small corner of the internet and of Pittsburgh sports media. So, you know, I'm, you know, typically if I see some, some good Panther content, I'm going to know the name attached to the tweet or the post. And I kept seeing like new names pop up. I was like, I was, I've never heard of this guy. Oh, that is a a national like CBS reporter taking a victory lap. A victory piggyback lap on Blake Hinson's back around Durham, North Carolina. Like the the most popular college basketball team in the country is whoever is playing Duke. And so Squid, you hit the nail on the head. That was the best PR Pitt has gotten in a minute maybe dare i say 
pending anything I'm forgetting that you guys are about to bring up the best PR we've gotten since the fake slide. Hmm. Since Dracovic's commitment. <laughs> Enough. Enough. I don't know. I, I think the Wofford game, the national media was like, this team might be legit. They found the quarterback. No, no, no. Yeah, like I love ruining really cool things that happen by bringing up the shittiest things that happen to us in our lives. I mean, even right. when we beat Louisville, it was like, LOL, this team that sucks beat Louisville. So it was like good PR, but at the same time, it's only good PR because. And it was, an, AC- it was an ACC football game. So there's a limit to how much good PR can be generated. Yeah. So last year sucked. <laughs> this but right now cool. it is not. Right now yeah, it is not. Right- <laughs> Being a Pitt fan at this exact point in time is cool because Blake Henson went off and then just gave figurative double middle fingers to Duke Nation while he received literal middle fingers from about 40 to 50 students. And nearly made Kyle Filipowski cry after the game. Oh my god. Yeah. Making the Cameron crazies cry. The Cameron Crazies suck so bad. I want to punch the TV screen every time those nerds are on. It is. I can't believe that we have allowed this storyline to be built about Cameron Endor and about the Crazies, that it's a intimidating place to play. Could you imagine being a D1 athlete and looking out into the pasty, bespeckled crowd in Durham, North Carolina, and feeling anything other than <laughs> like careful, <laughs> anything other than bemusement. Like, like I don't care if they're screaming in my ear, like. Zoom in on some of the faces Blake is yelling at and tell me that if you were 6'6 and could jump 40 inches into the air and dunk a basketball, you would be intimidated by any of that. I'll give West Virginia fans some credit here. Doing that at a West Virginia game, I'd be a little nervous because someone would probably throw a bottle of chew spit at you or... Like rip off their like steel toe boot and throw it at you or something. Any I mean, one of them could yeah. shoot you. Like yeah. that is that is that is a real threat when you're playing in Morgantown. Yeah, they're they're a wild, weird bunch. At Cameron Indoor, it's like these kids have like TI eighty four calculators in their back pocket, so they can go to the library right after this. I'm not intimidated. It's infuriating, and the only thing so, that rivals it is the like the crybaby. White dudes on the basketball team. Uh, Kyle Filipowski, have a little bit more self-awareness than that. You, the giant, hunky Duke poster child, (laughs) has to be more self-aware than to cry in a post-game interview after a loss about sportsmanship. Like, come on, man. You you gotta be smarter than that. 
that is just the softest thing I think I've seen an athlete say. Actually, that's the softest thing I've seen a anyone associated with college basketball say in like a little under a week since little side note here. If you haven't seen it, Rodney Terry, Texas's head coach, uh, they they took uh, a loss to UCF last week, and the UCF players immediately started hitting the crowd with horns down, as you do when you beat Texas in Austin. And he starts going to the players in the handshake line. Oh, that's classless. We don't do that. That's classless. Like, dude, give me a break. You know what you are. You know what you sign up for when you're coaching or playing for Texas. You lose, you get hit with horns down. Um, now, back to Filipowski. You play for Duke. You're a big, goofy white guy who is really good at basketball. If you take a loss, the other team is going to celebrate. And they are going to chirp your annoying fans who call themselves the Cameron Crazies. Uh, and the whole disrespectful thing dude, just kills me. Like, the essence of sports is... Like, fans are being absurdly, borderline, like, inappropriately disrespectful to the players on the court. So when someone goes 7-for-7 in your arena, uh, spare me with the disrespect card. What? Coach K would have given him a stern talk into in the handshake line. Yes. Yes, Coach K would have thrown a fit and pulled him aside and told him that we don't do that. You're better than that. Because Coach K is holier than thou. I'm so glad he's gone too. Well, I, I don't know. I I think Coach K would have nipped this in the bud because uh, the second like a Hinson sucks chant broke out, he would have grabbed the PA mic and been like, "Hey, this is a classy organization. We don't do that here at Duke University." And he would have gotten like raucous applause, and then it would have kicked back up like two seconds later because these are. I was going to say drunk college kids, but they do go to Duke, so they're just college kids. The other element of Cameron Indoor that I hate, the officials. Six six plus minutes to review that ball that I still have yet to see an angle looks like that I can say, yeah, that really looks like it went off above Carrington. There is no angle on the planet that could be called conclusive to overturn a call on the floor. I think after the season, the head of the NCA officiating crew should use that footage and be like, Hey guys, this is what we call it inconclusive. Cause you fucking can't see anything. (laughs) And, Cannot yeah. make conclusions. We'll take my bias out of it. If that was reversed, Pitt was down, they needed the ball back, Carrington hits it, and it maybe touches Jared McCain's finger, I'd be like, you know what? I'd love to say that's our ball, but can't prove it. Admirable of me. <laughs> there is not a single doubt in my mind, that if the roles were reversed and the original call was off of Pitt, that they would have reviewed that for 30 seconds, said it's inconclusive, and said Duke ball. But instead, there was no evidence of it. The officials were in Cameron Indoor, and I think it's just, and I don't, 
I'm not a actually think the refs like have an agenda or like are involved with Vegas or I mean I'm sure some of them none of that conspiracy stuff yeah not conspiracy stuff but I think there is something to be said about these refs walking into that arena and just fearing Duke the entity of Duke basketball the expectation is we're gonna give Kyle Filipowski four or five ticky tack calls we're gonna let him push off a few times and yeah that's that do you know the foul numbers? He gets the benefit with, of the doubt. With 30 seconds left in the basketball game, Pitt had shot eight free throws. Duke had shot 25. Well, you know, There's, we have those those big bullies underneath and Federico and the Spaniards throwing their weight around. It's no wonder we ever keep them out of foul trouble. You could say looking at the box scores and tell the full story like the golden state warriors they shoot a bajillion three-pointers they do not get fouled as much as a team that drives to the rim every time i feel like the play styles are pretty similar yesterday minus like a couple extra post-ups from filipowski and young who also infuriates me but we were driving to the rim a lot carrington low leggett they were all Going downhill, getting knocked down, not getting the same calls. It always cracks me up because you'll have like a difficult but probably blown call in like a primetime NFL game and it'll kick off this big narrative. Like all the, I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard someone say that there's a script in the NFL and it's it's fixed and, and Vegas is in on it. Meanwhile, any given college football or basketball season, there's quietly like one or two dozen very concrete examples of a conference's refer- referees protecting that conference's financial assets via benefit of the doubt calls to a Duke basketball uh, you know, the hot undefeated Louisville team getting getting some ridiculous break against a three and nine pit team that is for some reason playing them tough. Like the, this I do I do again, I agree with Dylan. I don't think there's like a you know, someone in a dark room making phone calls from a Buffalo Wild Wings. But I do think there is something to home cooking and i do think there's something to uh the financial assets of a league being typically protected and given the benefit of the doubt and i think yeah yeah, and i think a six and a half minute review of a ball out of bounds absolutely falls under protecting your league's financial assets it and that's kind of where I started at with this is that like I I don't buy into all the conspiracy stuff. I have never seen anything in sports that I can compare that to that was like a more obvious the more time that goes by here, we can convince ourselves that we can give this ball to Duke. Like 49ers Packers game was on on a TV next to it, 
And I kept turning to watch like a play. I'd turn back and it'd still be under review. I'd watch another play back and forth, back and forth. And after a while, I was like, did they decide yet? Or are they still reviewing this? Is this like a like a TV timeout now? And it was no, they were still looking at different angles. Like the whole drive went by. <laughs> they went over at one point and were talking to Shire, John Shire. And it like it is such a bad look for the ACC officials. It almost looks like they're asking Shire what he thinks happened. Like Shire's looking at him like, oh, it went off. Like, look at the look at the Jumbotron. Like they're looking at a screen shit with every <laughs> angle possible over at the desk. Why are you asking John Shire about anything? Shire gets to consult on these. Right. Yeah, that's the that's the Duke home home court advantage. Like if Coach K was there, he would say, Well, my player said he touched it last, so we don't lie. We're we're Duke. Unbelievable. And I don't know how coaches don't get teed up every single time they play at Duke. Yeah. You feel well, better? C- Cable's used to it. He's been Yeah, I mean, I feel better that they won. Because if they would have got robbed of that game because of that shit. Um, well, we probably wouldn't even be recording this episode. Let's be honest. No, we'd be, um, going with one of like the creative thinking prompts that we're, we're storing for a, a snowy day when Pitt basketball loses by 20 to Syracuse and well, Pitt football. Playing Syracuse this year, we're already 0-2 against them. Okay. That, that was a really necessary footnote. Thank you. Uh, Can't lose to him again. <laughs> okay, fine. Oh, uh, ACC tournament, maybe. Well, stand corrected. Okay. No, that's good. <laughs> so, how yeah. do we feel moving forward? We back on the train a little bit. Wait, but before did we, we move train? Do, do we do we get all of our our shots in on Duke? It's fans, ACC referees. Are we now uh, worried that we're wandering into? Um, Duke student lawsuit for emotional distress territory. I've said I will my never piece, get enough of that. I will continue to do that any chance I get. Nerds, losers, and I hate them. I'm a 5'9", 150-pound dude wearing glasses, and I, and I feel confident that I am... Going to the w- walking through the Cameron crazies and not getting a scratch. I would jump on the scores table as well and not feel intimidated. <laughs> uh, dude, I, I, I can't believe it. The, the average agnostic, sorry, last thing, the average agnostic <laughs> college basketball fan watches Duke, those whiny players, that sanctimonious coach, and those dweeb fans and says, I want to hop on this bandwagon. Millions, millions of kids every year hop on the Duke bandwagon. That that is what brings them. I I hate everything. I hate this society and this country. I hate Duke. All right. Uh, the other thing. All right, Pitt. Moving forward, Squid. You said, "Are we back on the train? Did we ever leave the train?" I I was getting off, like called for my stop was grabbing my bag to hop off the train before Saturday night. It was like a rom-com where you're 
going on that plane to take a new job across the country and then your significant other hurdles a security guard and catches you at the last second to say, wait, I beat Duke. Don't go. Yeah, good luck, Chuck. Probably 25. I, I, I think that's a, that's a pretty uh, pretty well-worn cliche. But no, I... I think I'm, I might have even stepped onto the bus stop and whipped around and, and got my hand in the sliding door and said, wait, <laughs> this isn't this isn't where you drop me off yet, sir. I yeah, was I I very was discouraged. I was probably going to say if we lost this game and we had a show. I feel very bad about where we're at, but I think Cape will be back next year to save his job. I don't think we'll fire him, but I feel like that's the conversation that'll be had. Just because the team looked so bad. I was like, what are we doing? Like there are teams that are less talented than Pitt that are playing a lot better and winning games. So it has to be higher up than just the players. Granted, they they'd been playing pretty poorly too. So that's why I was as far out as I was. But the fact that Jalen Lowe's playing point guard. Blake's feeling himself again. I think we can go on a little bit of a run here. Now that the schedule's a little bit easier, we had a, a brutal stretch to open it up with Syracuse twice, UNC, and Duke twice. So, And Clemson. Uh, Kicked it off with Clemson. Yeah. So I think weird to say everyone's beatable. I know like NC State looks pretty decent. Virginia's still going to be Virginia. We should be competitive in every game. And this should not be a long trot to the end of the season with no hope. No vintage capable late season collapse. Like the first couple of years, whenever we were like, Hey, we might not suck. Nah, just kidding. We suck. I mean, we, we finally have a quad one win. Oh, I forgot about those. You you know college basketball's poisoned my brain that that was like the first thing I thought after we beat top 10 Duke at home was, ah, a quad one win. Excellent. I, I, Rounding I actually, out the resume. I actually saw that Duke gained a quad one win because Pitt jumped up in the quad one by beating Duke and Duke previously beat Pitt. So Duke beating actually Pitt picked at up. home is a quad one win. Yeah, so going on the road being so yeah, yeah, that's now a quad one win for Duke. So Duke actually helped their resume by losing the pit. Not really, but yes, that's where we're at with college basketball. Isn't isn't there like a new category called like a quad one plus or something? Like a super quad one. Yeah, I, I can't do this. I I saw no, that, and I didn't care to piss we, myself off and look into it any further. You know, you guys can say that now, but if we win a couple more games. I'll be refreshing in the ACC tournament. We're, gonna, we're about to fucking find out what a quad one A plus win is. Yeah, whenever it's between us and Maryland for the last spot, I'll be like, whoa, 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 the quad one plus win back in January. I'll be refreshing every bracketology I can get my hands on daily if it gets to that point, but. What I will say is getting a win at Duke, that's about 
as good of a win as long as Duke doesn't fall off a cliff here um, and completely fall apart, which I don't know if this pit send Duke into a tailspin. But I think that's one of the better wins you're going to have on your resume. So that's that's big time. And Squid, like you said, the schedule does get a little bit easier here. It's so it, it sucks because it reminds you how little margin of error there is and how big every game truly is in college basketball. But like if Pitt has one more win and is sitting at 12 and six instead of 11 and seven, I feel like I just feel so much better about the state of this team. 12 and six is just so much more visually appealing in a, in a, when you're looking at the standings for the ACC standings. Um, so if they pull off that game up at Syracuse that they blew, if they pull off that game against Missouri, which felt like they were in to the very end, just couldn't buy a shot. Um, I feel a lot better about where we're at, but we're sitting at 11 and seven. We've got a three game stretch here of at Georgia tech at Miami, which will be a tough one. And then at home, you get wake forest who currently sits at 13 and five. Uh, but I, I think that their their records a little bit better than what we think they are right now. I don't know, man. Like, do you uh, you win a game on the road against Duke? That ha- that's a boost of confidence. Now all those guys are like, we can beat anyone. I'm back in. You get you get, win these next two on the road. You're coming back home at 13 and seven, and you have a real chance to do some damage. This is a tough road trip they've got going. They went down to North Carolina, I think, back on Friday. Um, they're up in Atlanta now, then they have to head down to Miami. They won't be sleeping in their own beds for almost two weeks. But if you can come Jeez. away from that, that stretch three and oh, you've got a team who's, who's been through some battles together. Who's probably started to figure some things out. Uh, and then who knows, maybe we have a really fun February and March. I I'm not ready to call this team a team that's going to get into the tournament, but I, I think there's a chance now that they, they can at least make things interesting. And make me interested and upset about Joe Lenardi's bracketology uh, come come mid March. Is that our new goal for the season? Yes, to be able to have the privilege to get pissed off about net rankings or Joe Lenardi's bracketology or who's the who's the dweeb that has his own rankings. There's like a hundred of them. I feel like Andy Katz has them. Uh, Rothstein. You you get my point. Yeah. The privilege to get mad at those in late February and early March. That's what we're playing for. And then if we continue to play well, maybe even start to play better than we did last night, then then we can talk about some other things. Hey, all you need is a a chip and a chair, a seat at the table. Let us let us be involved in the conversations. That's what I want right now. Um, it's a lot. We we learned last year that it's a lot more fun. It's a lot more stressful, but it's a lot more enjoyable when you're at least in that conversation. And it's a whole lot of fun when you make it into the dance. So, who knows? This time t- tomorrow. Add a couple hours onto that. We we might be back to square one, and we might be digging up uh, one of those other conversation topics. But for now, 
we're excited about pit basketball again and how this season's going to shake out. Now to cap things off with some final thoughts. Final thoughts brought to you by Guerrero Law. Dylan, what is the best and worst thing to happen to you this week? Best thing, I watched Pitt beat Duke. Oh, wow. Worst thing, having some furnace troubles at, at the house. Not loving it. It's mm. cold. It is cold outside. Luckily, we have that uh, that rowback ad of yours to make us all have fond memories of summer that is either going to play next or already did play. We're going to be back on the links soon enough. Because you see, Dylan, life is full of ups and downs like that. You have, for every winter, there is a summer. Life, ups and downs. And when you're facing those downs, whenever you are the victim of an injustice, you've got a pit man on your side and Guido Guerrera. Guido is a licensed attorney in Pennsylvania and Ohio who can turn your big losses into ACC championship wins. If you are hurt in an accident and, and maybe your insurance company isn't treating you fairly or maybe other law firms will not take you seriously, you owe it to yourself to pick up the phone and call Guido at 412-229-7757. Or you can find him on the internet if you don't like talking to people on the phone. I know I don't. Um, you can go to Guerrero Law dot com g u r r e r a l a w dot c o m with that out of the way did, were we starting with you dylan uh, i think squid's kicking this one off squid you're kicking this one off yes my final thought is basketball adjacent but it was an extra big night on saturday pit one but so did the loyal sons and daughters who made the trek down to Archie's to watch the game. If you saw on Twitter, Archie, owner of Archie's and Southside, hmm. promised free wings to everyone at the bar if Pitt beat Duke. And you may have seen that a few days ago and thought, oh, how bold of you to offer free wings if Pitt beats a team that they just got absolutely curb-stomped by just about two weeks ago, there was even some folks who replied to that tweet and said, oh yeah, well, I'll give everyone a million dollars if Pitt pulls this off. It's not hard to make promises like that. Fast forward to Saturday night around 10 p.m. And the wings were coming in hot out of the kitchen. Archie held up to his promise. It's a great night at Archie's. Everyone there knew. Even Archie, he was rooting for Pitt too. He wasn't like, oh no, my wings. No, Archie was in. He wanted the magic to happen. He wanted to give out those wings. And it, it was a real fun atmosphere. We've been to Archie's a lot for some big Pitt wins. And it just, the magic was in the air. Shout out to Archie. Yeah, some might say that Archie actually willed Pitt to victory. <laughs> All I'm saying is if they go on a run here, it should be like 5% Blake Henson, 5% Jalen Lowe, 90% Archie that we attribute this to. If they win anything 
Archie gets a ring as well. Yes. One of the few things that would be worse than pit basketball doing poorly is Archie's doing poorly, like financially. That place is awesome and protect it with our lives. But I kind of wish Archie would do this for every game down the stretch. It might be good luck. <laughs> if Archie had to start doing that, um, and and pit one on a win streak. Win streak. I don't. I don't think we'd be eating chicken by the end of that. <laughs> They'd have to make a thirty for thirty about it. <laughs> you can't just. You can't just do this though for like a, a Tuesday night game against Georgia Tech. Like I think we. Mm, yeah. We'll we'll get them on the horn. We'll like Pitt's gonna be making a little run, like quarterfinal game, semifinal game of the ACC tournament. We're like Arch, free wings. Let's, let's fire them back up. Yeah. But I just want to like. How, how many people are doing that? How many people are offering up free wings for a pit win? Not too many. You can't get free wings anywhere. I mean, they're pay an arm and a leg to get an order of six do, most places nowadays. Do you remember how expensive wings were during COVID? Yeah. I remember there was, there was a... I'm not going to blow up their spot because it's a local place that I actually really love and we frequent quite a bit. But there was a place with some of the best wings in the city, I think... That was up to like twenty five bucks for a dozen wings during peak COVID. Yeah, they were all hurting, but maybe maybe no industry uh, really took a hit quite like the chicken wings. But all, all that to be said, Archie's a beast. Way to come through! Uh, shout out to Lloyd's of Hazelwood for uh, <laughs> helping him out there, ensuring that ensuring that one, and uh, hope. Hoping we get to do something like that in the in the not so distant future. But okay, well, some some other pit news. My final thought: we were just so hyped up about the basketball team that it's that we weren't going to spend too much time on the the talks of hiring assistant coaches. Uh, but Pitt did hire three assistant coaches to fill out their coaching staff. Uh, last week, I don't know, fellow. Do you guys know what day exactly these announced? These were announced. I think it was last Monday, or the Monday before that. All days run together when there's snow on the ground. Yeah, exactly. So, anyway, uh, Pat Narduzzi hires three assistant coaches: uh, Jacob Bronowski, special teams coordinator and tight ends coach. Uh, he comes by way of my Miami of Ohio, the MAC. I know David's excited about. A Mac guy in the building. Uh, Miami's uh, Ohio's biggest rival. So guess uh, again. I'm sorry. Yeah. Never mind. Mm-hmm. You're pissed. Um, <laughs> Jeremy Darvo, offensive line coach, coming from Western Carolina. That's another Cade Bell guy. Was on his staff there uh, for the high scoring FCS squad. FCS, uh, three letters that we've grown quite familiar with. And uh, Lindsey Lamar, running backs coach. He was. Former USF guy. And when I heard that name initially, I was like, "I that name sounds familiar." And uh, sure enough, he, he used to play against Pitt back in the Big East days for South Florida. I uh, was spent the past past four years at Howard University. Um, so, I mean, nothing huge in terms of name recognition, but very clear philosophical 
change here. And they, they went and hired three young guys uh, to fill out this staff and replaced those three old heads that we saw saw out the door uh, during our last episode. I, I think I'm most excited for that special teams coach. Um, I know this contradicts literally what I just said about hating Miami, but um, Miami kind of produces some ball coaches. It, it, little little list for you guys of football coaches who have been affiliated with Miami of Ohio, either as a student or a coach. Um, Era Parsegian uh, won a national title at Notre Dame. Bo Schembechler, Woody Hayes, uh, Sean McVay, Ron Zook, and John McVay, and I know I'm missing a few. So they just kind of churn out coaches. Oh, and um, John Harbaugh. John Harbaugh also went there. So, you know... I'm I'm just calling my shot. We we might have found Narduzzi's replacement in ten years. Yeah, I don't know about all that. But we might be jumping the gun a little bit. But what I will say is, in 2023, he had the Lou Groza Award winner, Graham Nicholson, college football's top place kicker, and uh, his punter Alec Bevelmeyer Bevelheimer was semifinalist for the Ray Guy guy award so like the two most important special teams awards he had guys who won the award and were semi-finalists so that's much more that we can say for recent years of pit special teams yeah i don't know anything about coaching special teams but i can assure you that this is an upgrade because i don't know what the hell andre powell was doing with the special teams unit for the past couple of years uh he was too busy trying to figure out how he could uh, get Sebo Flemish or more carries. Probably. I don't know anything about the offensive line coach other than he looks like Buzz Lightyear. I think that bodes well for the offensive line room. My gosh, he does. Look him up. <laughs> yeah. I... I want my line coaches to look like Buzz Lightyear. If he was like a svelte guy, I think we'd all be pissed right now. Yeah, no, he looks like he can coach up some O-linemen. It's just good to have fresh faces. I don't know if I want to rag on the guys that we got rid of because we did win quite a bit with them, but things get stale. New coaches get after the guys a little bit. Some new life into them after the shittiest season ever. So I think this is I can speak for all of us when I I hope this is the most we have to talk about these position group coaches. Like I hope other than maybe saying like, oh, the special teams have gotten so much better. We've blocked like four kicks this year. I hope we don't have to talk about these guys really at all this year. We didn't have to substitute a punter midway through the season. Nice. Why won't they give the best running back the ball? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It's, I, I just think the collective response of Pitt fans is very deservedly sure. Why not? Show us in August. 
speaking of coaching changes, um, this one a little bit more impactful than Pitt post poaching an offensive line coach from Howard. No, offensive line coach from Western Carolina. Running Western back Carolina. Howard. My apologies. Uh, so Nick Saban retired since our last episode, which I mean, you, you can't say enough. I, I think he's the greatest coach in any sport ever. Uh, unbelievable dude, but his Tomlin. right Tomlin, uh, but his departure kind of shows you how insane college football is. You guys want to guess counting Alabama, uh, how many schools had to go and find a new head coach because of the domino effect stemming from Saban leaving. 12. 10. Kind of wish you guys had guessed lower. Uh, six. Okay. <laughs> six. Oh. Alabama took Washington's coach, who took Arizona's coach, who took San Jose State's coach. Um, and then uh, Kalen DeBoer, the new coach at Alabama, went and got two offensive coordinators who were head coaches at Buffalo and South Alabama. Six schools after the initial coaching carousel at the end of the year, had to go find new head coaches. And then both of Alabama and Washington's full rosters went into the coaching portal. I did not have enough time to look into how this impacted the rosters at Arizona, San Jose State, Buffalo, and South Alabama. Not that anyone cares about those ones. But it, it's just insane, and I know this is Nick Saban we're talking about, the greatest of all time, but it's obscene, the upheaval that is created when one, like, tier 1A school decides to make a coaching change. It's unbelievable. Yeah, this was pretty nuts. Like like you said, he's he's the GOAT. So to just get an ESPN notification that Nick Saban's hanging it up, it was pretty wild. Um, I also thought it was pretty wild how clear it was that some people just didn't want to have to fill those shoes. I mean, yeah. Where was the boar realistically on their their list? I think probably like Lanning. They called Sarkeesian. Um, I'm missing one more. Is Dabo in the mix? I think. Dabo would have no, and, and that could be a whole other final thought. Dabo just burning <laughs> burning his chances at that job to the ground. That's a whole other thing. Uh, like no, it years. wasn't. Oh, Norvell. No, it was uh, Norvell. Nor, yeah, Norvell and Sark both got uh, extensions out of this. Um, I think Lanning did as well. So I think he... DeBoer is an insane coach. I loved Washington this year. But I, I think he was like... The four spot. And can you blame those other guys? No, you can make just as much money and be way worse at other schools. And you will be scrutinized a bajillion times less. There's already message boards from Alabama fans who think the board is a failure. (laughs) They've had like a handful of guys transfer. They they have seen a lot of talent attrition, um, and I, I mean a lot of it is like unproven guys, but they are four and five stars because you know they're on Alabama's roster. Uh, which brings me to my next point: losing like the best coach in a sport, you know, logically isn't great for that sport, but for the parity of college football, this is huge 
because yeah. he is he is a problem. Everybody <laughs> said that Alabama's dynasty was over after they lost to Texas. They were there were so many good old takes exposed this year about Alabama because everyone's like, oh, yep, passing of the torch, Alabama's done, and they just made the playoff and lost in overtime due to a bad snap. The worst year of Nick Saban's career, almost. He's just a cheat code. Like him, him coaching a team that has any sort of financial backing and any sort of fan support is just a cheat code. And the other part of this is that two playoff teams, two of the top four teams from the 2023 season just had their rosters gutted and all of that talent is now going into the portal and going elsewhere and providing like all of it doesn't go to Ohio state and Georgia, which is kind of a little bit what it looks like. That's huge for parity in the sport for that kind of trickle down to go into rosters of teams that didn't compete as much this past season. So, you know, all praise in the world to Nick Saban, but this is probably overall pretty good for parity in the sport. Yeah, I think. I mean, I, I'm done watching Alabama win every year. He, he's amazing. Saban's the goat. Great for him. Give him his flowers. Now, right off in the sunset and let a new team cycle in. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Alabama will probably still be very competitive, but there's just simply no way they will be saving level Alabama for the next 10 years. Um, the bar is too high. Bar is too high. And I, like you said, I think that's a good thing. More parity we get, more dispersal of talent around the country uh, will be great for college football until it all blows up into the two 16 team super leagues. And Kirby Smart just assumes his role as the, the chance crown print. Yeah. The yeah, chancellor of college football. I think he's already done that. I think they were like, I think if they were in the playoff, they probably would have just won this year. But yeah, I agree. Well, well that's, yeah. that's that's what we got for today. Uh, yeah. Good being back on here. We're in a good mood, coming off a win. Uh, Pitt takes on Georgia Tech at Georgia Tech in Atlanta tomorrow night, 7 o'clock ESPNU. And then they've got the Miami Hurricanes down in Miami Saturday, once again, on the CW. Let's go. Panthers are a staple on the CW Saturday at 2.15. So we've got a big week ahead for Pitt Hoops. Hopefully they can ride this the momentum of this win over Duke. Hopefully Blake Henson can just shoot 100% from three for the rest of the season. And uh, Pitt ride, rides their way into the tournament. But it's been fun. Fellas, we'll, we'll talk soon. Unless we don't. Unless things get really bad. Uh, but as always, hail loyal sons of Pittsburgh.